0: hi i'm afton and i'm anna and this is grit a podcast on the tennessee holler podcast network join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raising the
1: Mm-hmm. so let's get gritty
0: <laughs>
1: i don't know why i did that <laughs> i'm two glasses of wine in <laughs> all right so it's been a while I don't think, (laughs) (laughs) as always, as always, same street, same street, same, every two weeks, (laughs) same excitement. I come over, Anna and I, we gab, we dream. yeah, gab, play with the nugs, touch some, touch some cat bellies, and then hit the closet, (laughs) just like anyone else does. Just a normal friend hang. Is it though? Mm -hmm. I guess in the pandemic, I don't know. Okay, so what's been going
0: on? Just been keeping busy, loving the fall weather, um, loving being outside and being around the neighborhood. I've been doing a bit of a, a restaurant crawl, trying to try some new places and sit outside while the weather's good. Um, so we've been we've been dining out pretty extravagantly. Oh few
1: weeks. what restaurants yeah. have you tried?
0: So, Folk, for the first time, even though it's right by our house.
1: Ah, so for those of you who listening, Sean Brock, who is, um, he is infamous. Is infamous the appropriate word? Sure. Okay. We're going to go with infamous. There, yeah. So key, he, is for, <laughs> reviews, uh, he is known for. reviews. Thank you. He is known for bringing back the heirloom tomato and Appalachian foods. Um, And so he is the owner, was the former owner of McCready's in Charleston, where my best friend Anna Kern worked as a hostess uh, and has opened up a slew of Nashville restaurants, including the famous Husk Mm -hmm. restaurant, right? Uh, But more importantly, he has two pugs. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. in the pug community? So he doesn't attend pug club. But one time I was with Frankie in my Yaris, and I pulled up to a five-point stop, and a gentleman that looked a lot like Sean Brock rolled down his window in his Porsche, and he said, wow, hey, that's a really good-looking pug. (laughs) And I was beside myself. I was beside myself. It was Sean Brock. It was Sean Brock. Yeah. So Sean Brock told... Me, that Frankie was a very good-looking pug which he is he, he's very he dapper is, for sure but it's not because he's skinny he's just he's athletic and poised so yeah and but. tall he's he's a very tall pug you can go to his instagram i like tall pugs uh i like tall pugs and i cannot lie na, 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 na. <laughs> uh yeah so anyways so
0: folk you went to folk? folk um oku which we've been to before but is one of our favorites it's a, a, a sushi restaurant mm. in um hmm Right over the river, and Eastland Cafe and
1: Josephine. So, how has it been, as a, as a uh, goer of restaurants during the pandemic?
0: Yeah, I feel like it's been mostly
1: safe. There's there a some people times... who still aren't eating out at all.
0: Oh yeah, I know, I know, and I know we're like we're taking calculated risks because we don't we're not a, around anyone who's compromised, and we're able to with each experience, we're able to stay inside and make sure we feel good before we have to see people again. So um, I think I feel like we've made pretty calculated um, risks. And also the places we've picked have been one, small businesses where like, you know, local owners and local staff um, that we're trying to support. And they have been, they're starting to actually even get stricter, it seems like. Um, well, so the rates are going are, up. Yeah, some are requiring masks, like all the time, like anytime you're not putting food into your mouth, even outside. Intense. That's interesting. Yeah. So I I mean, I haven't had any experiences where I felt like, oh, this is like a totally unsafe situation. Um, you know, if someone's like, there have been a couple people around us who don't obviously keep to the mask rule as well. Um, Ooh, you have it pulled your, down. Your cats. Or, no, no, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> like people in the restaurant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so then you just like distance yourself or, like you don't go in yet. You don't go to the hostess stand if someone else is standing right there. You know, like, like there's things you do, but that has been our like one big joy, just trying to get in these few weeks um, of outdoor time, try to play some tennis, walk Have around the park. Have you used the tennis oh, yeah, courts? Yeah. We got by your house? house? We got new tennis brackets for Are those coaches. public? Yeah. And you just show up in your tennis skirt? Um well yeah, kinda. Bring
1: your bring your racket. I did walk into Whole Foods today and think there's nothing more I hate than white women in tennis skirts. But
0: <laughs> so weird to me.
1: Anyway, what's up with you? Um. Well, speaking of mask mandates, uh, I had a little girl's trip to Galena, Illinois, and for those who, of you who yeah. don't know, yeah. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was corn country, uh, in northwest Illinois, uh, and I was amongst um. Uh, the people and lots of corn and uh, dirt roads. And I was able to see a cow patty in the flesh. So, yeah, I was a little out of my element, I'd say, as not. I'm not a farm girl, uh, although I come from farm roots. My, my dad grew up on a cheese farm. Not that cheese was grown, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> and so, anyways, it was a nice little girl strip. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, Illinois has has had really stringent... Regulations in terms of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and everyone was wearing a mask. I mean, it was, I was very, very impressed. Um, and I was just really grateful because it felt very, very safe compared to Nashville.
0: Well, Midwestern people are quite polite.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of the same culture as Southern culture though, where, you know, niceties and that you're not really saying what's on your mind. But anyway, so my friend's aunt owns a winery. So we got a little boozy, had a bunch of cheese, uh, and it was it was delightful. It was absolutely delightful. And shout out to Kate and Elena who who came with me and I think having gone through midterms in 2018 working 100 120 hour weeks, I've realized that I needed to make sure that I take care of myself as well as take breaks for the long haul and I feel like I feel in such a great place. And what's been funny this week cuz I know we've talked about it on the pod where I was basically well no I was hospitalized because I had a major surgery but then I had a nervous breakdown I'm like I feel great like I just <laughs> feel like if you would have asked me two years ago and and compared to this point in my life and where we are in the election I feel fantastic I polls yeah. are showing that Biden have you been watching the polls mm-hmm. what, what are your hot takes what are Anna's hot takes
0: I am trying not to feel or think anything Mm. Because so, just numb trying, I know to, trying what to numb can happen. I've seen a few things that make me feel good, but I don't want to
1: ride the roller coaster. Well, anyone who watched polls in 20, do not pay attention to the polls, like, do not pay attention to them. I think, as an organizer, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm feeling optimistic considering, I don't know if you've seen the drop in support for people over 65 in key mm-hmm, presidential yeah. states. So that's something that's really, I think, a bellwether for me. And just a long lines. So today was the first day of early voting in Tennessee. Uh, early voting starts in Kentucky or started, oh, starts tomorrow. Um, and lots of long lines. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially in major metropolitan cities, it's it looks, it looks good for Democrats. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I would say... There's been a campaign on Instagram of uh, conservative, Christian, pro-life women.
1: Ooh, okay, I want to hear about this. It's called,
0: like, This Is Why 2020, I think is the hashtag. How do you have your pulse on this? Because I follow a lot of Christian
1: (laughs) bloggers. Which, should we talk about the Sean Freud, or however you say his last name, the 10,000-person concert that was held in... Did you not see this? No.
0: <gasps> see, we have different news channels. Oh How my god, okay, you stories? talk about your
1: Christian news channel and then I'll talk about mine.
0: Okay. Um, so a bunch of Christian conservative women shared why they are pro life in voting for Joe Biden.
1: Oh my God.
0: And it was like popping off. Like it was it did so well. It was such a good campaign. There were where did it start and um, I think it started. I think it was a coordinated effort between a group of, um, you know, people in the like podcast, blogging, Instagram. I would say influencers. But, like Pantu Politics was part of it, and then like the Lazy Genius. It's like this woman that does like you know how to clean your house and, like how to make the like the holidays good and like I mean truly like lifestyle kind of influencers and uh, Bree McCoy who's like a, a food blogger or whatever, but. Um, her video, particularly, like really impacted me because she shared about um, her sister coming out in it. So she talked. As, about, she was like, I'm as gonna, an LGBTQ person, yeah, oh. I, as a lesbian, and so she like said, like, I'm gonna address head on. She's like, I'm voting for Biden. I'm a Christian. I'm pro life, and I'm gonna tell you why. And she said something. So I'm gonna try to get it exactly right, but she said that. Democrats vote for policies that make abortion unnecessary, and Republicans vote for policies that make abortion illegal.
1: Say that one more time.
0: Democrats vote for policies that make abortion unnecessary, and Republicans just want to make it illegal. Wow. So she was like, that's more pro-life to me. They have more pro-life policies. And I just... I, I don't know, that and especially to like the audience she's speaking to, like, you know, that's not persuasive necessarily to me, but I mean
1: But a different like, but a different reference of framing for folks that may follow her.
0: Right. Right. And then and then she went into the um the LGBTQ issue and her perspective on that and how her mind was changed. And of course, you know, I don't tolerate like how she felt before or like that she was giving so much voice to, like, being anti-LGBTQ. But at the same time, I felt like she was speaking to a very particular audience, and she obviously was putting herself out there to give herself, like, a lot of hate. And it's something that she clearly felt before she made the announcement, but, like, having the courage to do that and to, like, potentially put your whole business on the line. Right, because a
1: lot of these, and that's, you know, as much as I denigrate influencers, which, you know, I might beef with them, it has it has monetized lifestyles for women that work at, or like homemakers, right? In a way that women wouldn't be able to bring in an income. And in a very capitalist, misogynistic society, if you don't bring home a paycheck, like you're, you know, what is your worth as a woman in a household? I mean, truly, like, and that's something. Anyways, um, so we are now on day three of SCOTUS hearings. And speaking of sexual preference, what do you, what do you, you know, our last episode, we... Provided the the landscape as to what was happening, and so have you been following the hearings?
0: Yeah, I've been tuning in and out. Um, you know, I clearly think she knows what she's doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, she really doesn't have an opinion about anything. Yeah. Uh, and I just and I just saw a tweet right before arriving at your house that she has hid statements of of things that she made at Notre Dame or something. And Mm -hmm. so there was, I think there was a, um, she had signed something coming out of her church that said, Mm -hmm. what was the? It basically said like, there shall be no abortion. (laughs) Yeah. And she's trying to backtrack from that. And it's like, oh, honey. She's like, oh
0: yeah. They just like. Isn't mm -hmm. she in a weird religion? So that she's like a charismatic Christian Catholic. Um, So like evangelical Catholic, which. uh, Yeah. I, I mean, I find religion itself just like very interesting and like the spectrum of Christianity and having been in a lot of Christian spaces and Catholic spaces and.
1: Oh, yeah, Louisiana. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And just, I mean, college too. I um, knew quite a lot of people that even converted in college, to which I found. Yeah, which I found to be wow. a very interesting experience. Um, just within my. My Christian, um, so Alex and I actually met in a Christian group. Oh, yeah, no, I knew that. Yeah, we met on a Christian retreat. Wow. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And now we live in the
1: Light the fire,
0: light the fire, in my weary soul. We did a lot of sitting by each other in worship. We did. (laughs) As the evangelical group. (laughs) And then it escalated to the bedroom. No. Oh, did it? Wait. No, we have separate bedrooms often.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, got it.
0: Um, and so, anyway, I find religion very interesting. But her religion is like this one specific group. It's it's like people, people and praise or something. What is it called?
1: I'll, let me Google it while you're talking about
0: it. Um, but they had like a communal house, and like it turns out, her and her husband both lived there. I don't know if
1: it, it was. I'm sorry. The same wait, time. what? What is it? They what? lived in
0: a in a in a adult couple's home. That had like nine bedrooms or something while they were at Notre Dame Law School. Law School. Her husband graduated a couple of years after her from law school there, um, but they both lived in this house. And the comments that the woman from the house like have made are like really funny. And I actually read this article, this long article. Are people people, with- people people of praise? People of praise. Okay. Um, I read a long article about this people with praise and like this woman. Could not keep her mouth shut. That she, that with the it's like b- Nexium, like res- like aftermath. Okay, wait, no. Really? I read it. I read it on the same day as I read the long article about um, Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife Becky and their like <laughs> sex lover person Giancarlo, the whatever. pool boy. Yeah, the pool boy. The pool boy. Yeah. Oh okay, God. I read those both, and I'm like, what is up with these freaky deaky people? Like, why do they end up in these situations? <laughs> the religious
1: like. It's something about the. Oh, here we go. In People know. of Praise, younger men and women are often assigned a head, a member of a group of the same sex, to act as a mentor guide. However, when married, a husband typically takes over the head for his wife. Some former members have recounted darker stories of expected of expected female submission as well as shunning of those who have left the group.
0: Yeah, and so she had a title called, like, Handmaid you can't make this up like it's almost like this is like a baby. she was Wait, the, really she was the handmaid yeah so oh women can't have leadership positions but they can be handmaids so how is she gonna like, be hands, a ma- handmaid's tale like, so is, is
1: her being a supreme court judge some type of like role play with her and her husband like it's a very prominent role know. and she
0: also made that comment that her husband had done more with the kids than he should have or something like So like he fed them that he's been more involved than <laughs> he took them to soccer practice and I'm, like,
1: I'm just like it's so frustrating and that's where like I see religion weaponized for young women like ourselves like I've just seen people not not my closest friends but like women in kind of concentric circles outward that have become really religious and have become totally submissive and it's just like I, you know I, I get There's it Like a high it,
0: bar for like the level of impressive that you would have to be for me to be submissive <laughs> like it really you know like I'm submissive to like data and like science and like <laughs> logic and truth like it's not a guy like to me
1: you, you know, know but like, that's but there's something deeper there you know and I will say having dated a lot of guys that well not a lot of guys excuse me um but guys who gentlemen who were devoutly catholic in high school and I was they were very like they were very sexist towards me yeah, misogynistic yeah. and I like and For I sure. look like who they've married now and it's women who are incredibly submissive. Entire lives revolve around them, the men. And I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Oh, God. Anyways, we'll have to yeah. do a whole, maybe we should invite Julianne back to do an episode on Je- being Jehovah's Witness.
0: Oh, gosh, I didn't know she was Jehovah's
1: Oh, you didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah, she arranged marriage. Oh, yeah. What? Not to my dad, to her first husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh.
1: Oh, yeah. So when my, we talk about religious cults, like my mom and it's funny when the Jehovah's stopped by because I'm like, oh yeah, my mom used to be Jehovah's Witness and, and it's a cult. And she thinks it's a cult. And they're like, Oh, yeah, it just That's when
0: you can't have like presents?
1: No presents. You don't celebrate Christmas, you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance, which made her a total social pariah in school, <laughs> uh, to which the point to to which at the point she was homeschooled, uh, because of mm. yeah, how de- terrible the situation was. So Anyways, we'll do a whole episode yeah, on, on de- religion, yeah. yeah. But that, the
0: religion and gender roles, I think, is and important. gender roles,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the elections happening, and I'm really excited. The presidential debate is next week at Belmont University. So please, 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 it's the third and final debate. It'll be in Nashville, um, and the group that has been organizing around Belmont, and oh, oh yeah, we had the episode "Be Better Belmont." Yeah, they were on the a former or a previous episode about divesting from the for-profit prison industry um and so they're planning a big uh a big event and i will be supporting it but we're super excited and everyone chime in
0: what do you think about the debate so far oh and God. what do you expect from the last one do you think trump will rein it in
1: i was really hoping biden just punched the shit out of trump like i think he would earn so much <laughs> Like, i think people like two senile men yelling at each other like you know, it's just, it was embarrassing. I really enjoyed the the Kamala Harris, Mike Pence debate. I really mm-hmm. did. What did you think about it?
0: Yeah, me too. I, yeah, I liked it. Um, I thought the questions were really good if they would have, you know, answered them maybe a little bit more directly. But I get that you just prepared talking points. I thought it was good. I think, you know, it. you could clearly prove a lot of Pence's lies, and so... There's nothing more that you can ask for in those situations than to get someone on the record line. That's all I have to say.
1: Yeah. He Cause was I think like you it. can't,
0: you can't say, Oh, they're going to mess up or oh older. He was is gonna such a robot.
1: Or, like, like he just looked like the far right just pooped out a guy with white hair. I'm sorry <laughs> for that visual, but really. Yeah. Yeah. He is something else. So now for the, 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 main event the main event the bread of the pod if you will um so there well I don't even how would you like to start (laughs) around elections
0: and the gamemanship of you know the debate style the people picking the SEC football of politics if you will um, it really is like a sports team or if you want to go another step, like a war, <laughs> like patriotism, you know, or like allegiance to a certain camp or a certain group. And we're really dividing, I think, like pretty quickly. And I think like, I, I don't think a lot of people are undecided. I'll say that. But I do think. Definitely the top
1: of the ballot. At the, the, the presidential right. level. Right. Well, are not, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've
0: already made their decision. Right. But I think we're starting to show our, you know, the peacock showing.
1: It's well better. let's let's so before we even dive into what is virtue signaling and performative politics I think definitions would be helpful especially for me as a neophyte in this world but like please go ahead
0: Oh I mean I don't have maybe exact definitions but I think that there are actions that are happening in the racial justice space and the political space where there are um performative actions taken that aren't not ne- aren't what does performative, mean? performative means that you are displaying something whether it be on your social media or a sign in your yard a clothing item where you are signaling to other people that um you're either an ally or you are against their you know say a trump supporter and you're wearing a biden sweatshirt you're saying i am pro-biden <laughs> i'm against trump so and you're engaging in this kind of, um, external communication where you're, where you aren't necessarily, this doesn't mean you're phone making. This doesn't mean you're, um, although some people do, you know, share that they're doing that and, um, share that they're voting or making a voting plan or whatever it is that you're one of the good guys. And I think a lot of white, white people in particular do this kind of, put put structures on things of like what is they're like trying on an identity of like I am a Biden supporter or like I am a Democrat or I am liberal and they're finding signifiers of that or I'm an ally and a lot of it is just for lack of a better word for show like it's you know, it's raising awareness, perhaps we want to kind of talk about the boundaries of it or the limits of it, of like what it can do and what it doesn't do and what else can be done um, in addition to virtue signaling or performative allyship or performative politics.
1: Yeah. So let me, I think this definition of virtue signaling is very helpful. So the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or moral correctness of one's position over another. And I think as a social worker, yes, I'm a licensed social worker in the state of Tennessee, look it up. Like, for me, I think the, per- the performative piece is like, would I be doing this in pu- It's like the public versus private, right? Like, am mm-hmm. I doing the work in private or am I signaling to people publicly that like in this performative way that like I'm I'm progressive and like I'm supporting these people, which we're going to give you some examples. And I think for those of you listening, I would really like you to lean in and think about how you do this in your own life, whether... You carry a Louis Vuitton bag, which is class signaling, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's class signaling, and I've got a great anecdote. Um, the uh, my boyfriend lives in Five Points, and there's this multi million dollar house, two houses down, like just it's like an entire compound, and they put out an Ensworth uh, sign in their yard, and Ensworth is one of the most expensive schools in Tennessee, if not the southeast, and it wasn't even like about their child it was endsworth appreciates teachers you are so far like in 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 proximity you are so far from endsworth and it's and it's class signaling right Mm -hmm. and i and you know and that's it's something that's like just just kind of gross to me and you know they look at it as like oh we just moved into this neighborhood and we've got yeah and we have you know these nice cars and our kids go to endsworth and it's just like so anyway so i would love like I think the goal of this conversation is for you to look inward and think about how you're doing this and not, and maybe you don't want to correct anything, but like, I think for me as an organizer, the goal is always to dismantle ego. And I think performative politics and virtue signaling are part of that dismantling of how you present yourself to the world.
0: Yeah, I like how you brought in it to include, um, things outside of like, I'm signaling I'm progressive because I think we are always signaling something about ourselves. Like I think about that with my like engagement ring, for example, like that is a, you know, I go back and forth about some of the traditional wedding things of like, what is it really, what, what did it used to be a symbol of? What is it a symbol Mm. of now? And then also like in different cultures, like some cultures have um, like a car culture, like we're having a nice car is super important and, like, something that you spend a lot of money on. Um, like, I found that in my hometown, for example, like, that is a big thing. Like, a big truck, a luxury vehicle. Like, mm. that is the cream of the crop. When I've been in, like, much more wealthy spaces in, like, Connecticut and here, and that's not – I'm not – I haven't been in another community where having a fifty dollars to $70,000 car matters except in a low-income community. So it's, like, so interesting to me, like, what um, – or like a lower, you know, a, not necessarily all low income, but like a lower income community. So I, I just, there are things that we do every day. Some we think about, some we don't, that are showing our our class um, and and are communicating to other people, like, how they should be or how they should react to us. But that doesn't necessarily, and a lot of times we think that's, that's good, that that's good enough, like, If I wear a Biden mask into the grocery store, I'm really showing what – that's the thing is, like, what are you showing? And what – are you donating? Are you phone
1: banking? Are you – Well, and I think the question is about audience. Like, if you go to the store and you live in a conservative area, like – that's really brave that's That's really brave, right but like if you're in east nashville and so we there was a tweet that i uh referenced in in terms of this podcast and anna said she wanted to talk about it let me find it again in in nashville we see a lot of like east nashville i had this tweet about uh east nashville people think tomatoes will will cure racism like the tomato is can you talk like Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and it's like there's all these signs and all these East National yards like black lives matter and then and 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 I think the anecdote I have is in terms of the congressional race where you have these signs black lives matter in your yard you're showing up for these protests and then we have a congressional race where you have a former incarcerated person Keita Haynes running against uh, you know uh, the, the representation of the embodiment of the old South uh, and and you vote for Jim Cooper over her and it's just like okay so you're signaling to your neighbors that you support Black lives, but are you really supporting policies that support Black lives? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, And, and I do, like, so we were debating, like, should we put a yard sign in? We took a couple walks around the neighborhood, and we were seeing, like, quite a variety of signs, like, a lot of Black Lives Matter, just straight up, a lot of the, like, everyone is welcome here kind of signs that read the, their multi, multiple lines long, you know, then Biden signs, then, you know, anyone but Trump, anyone literate, anyone, you know, like these kind of funny anti-Trump signs by Don with like a wig looking thing on it. And we were kind of having the conversation of like, should we get a yard sign? So that's what made me think of this topic.
1: Wasn't there a yard sign that had Trump? It was like Trump colors, but it was about like something 2020 it was trump colors oh wu-tang wu-tang 2020 and for me that was signaling like i don't want to get involved in politics because i have people on both ends of the spectrum but like i'm gonna signal that i i do see that there's an election going on but i'm not gonna choose sides and for me like that's that's also bad Mm -hmm. so this is the tweet that i that i was telling Ann about it's from Rebecca Tralgo Fernandez, and maybe we can tag her. She can come on a pod. She just moved to Nashville, um, but she's a comms director for Migrant Freedom. Uh, and so she moved to Nashville, and this is one of her tweets. Putting a hate has no home here sign in the yard of my $1.5 million new constructive row, construction row home. <laughs> Unpack that, Anna, for our listeners.
0: Yeah, I actually have a couple on either side of me. One has a Biden sign, and one has one of those. Kate has no home here. We accept everyone of all. It sounds almost like that disclaimer on like a job hiring where it's like, <laughs> like trying like the anti discrimination clause or whatever. But it's in it. it but they're both um, tall and skinny, new construction, brand new builds in a low income neighborhood. So um, yeah, <laughs> there's that. So I I don't know. I mean, everyone can probably see the irony in it. Um, and it doesn't mean you're bad just because you live in a new house. like.
1: Yeah, but it's also <laughs> but it's also this... I, or that I, you welcome hate. But at the crux of it, it seems like it's this understanding of policies. And like, yeah, you can put a sign in your yard that, yard that Black Lives Matter or that hate has no home here, but are you voting for people that enact those policies at the state legislature? Mm-hmm. Do Are you voting for people... Do you even
0: know? Like, do you even yeah. know what's going on at the state legislature? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And I think... And, and this is not meant to like we're not trying to condemn actions of our you know, listeners or like make people feel bad about themselves. But I do think it's helpful to kind of think through why you are outwardly projecting what you are projecting implicitly, well, you know? Right. And I think and this is not meant to put anyone on notice, but I would like to highlight an example of this, which was the uh, black photo on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I was part, I'm part of a rural working group um, of which disinformation experts attend. And um, what was really interesting is like, it was this black, what started as, and I think like you can see the trajectory of how it started, um, but like, or like people tagged you. So these are two different incidents. One are like the Black Tuesday where you posted a black square in support of black lives. But what I people, actually
0: did that, but I deleted it.
1: Okay, but I didn't. But do you know, but do you know why it was problematic? yeah tell our audience why so it was
0: flooding like I know it was flooding the hashtag unnecessarily because a lot of people were putting the hashtag on there and it was just like for what like why are you doing this this is like making it harder for people to find the information that they need to find and this isn't for you like wasn't it for but it
1: was for yeah it was for mutual aid especially during the George Floyd protests where, where organizers were on Instagram using the hashtag for mutual aid and try to, to and to try to find resources and when you posted the hashtag whatever black lives matter in a black square it blacked out the entire mutual aid block that you could go and search that hashtag and it was all black instead of seeing like oh I'm in Nashville and this is what the people you know this is what the folks the organizers at People's Square Plaza need
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like the original concept kind of took off and, and, and morphed. Um, And I mean, I don't think that like, I don't think that what has happened on Instagram in the last few months is like, bad at all. Like, I think it's great that people are speaking out and sharing the infographics and sharing information. But I, you know, one thing in particular that I've heard a couple different um, black leaders speak about is the talking about the master bedroom. Have you seen this?
1: Okay. No, but, but yeah, go ahead. Cause my mom, my, my mom, uh, she c- corrected herself in terms of, she was, she was describing some something like house she's like, Oh, the master bedroom. I mean, I mean the regular bedroom. And I was like, Oh, excellent correction, mom. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. So like I started noticing, yeah, I, I love like real estate accounts, which is horrible, but I follow a bunch of like luxury real estate accounts and they post these videos of like tours and I immediately noticed it there first, like where they started saying the head bedroom or the owner's bedroom, they started just using different language. Um, like the main bedroom, like just step like oblique references to like the master bedroom. And then I heard, I think John Legend was asked about it on a podcast and he like laughed and he was like, I think it might've been fresh air or something like that. But he was like, oh, that's the least of our worries. <laughs> like what someone calls. There's a lot of, of white people, well, very well-meaning like, obviously on the right side of history and all that that are trying to almost use these um, patriarchal like enforcement mechanisms or just like public shame, like shame doesn't get anyone to do anything, but like in these spaces. So like I've seen it a lot on Reddit, for example, like they're like, "Um, you can't say that, or you can't talk about this, or you can't use that word anymore. And but like going over above and beyond like sure we should be thinking about like that our language matters that certain words are tied to a certain legacy but it it only feeds the narrative i think sometimes when um you're perf- when you're doing performative like allyship it feeds a narrative that there are people that have turned on you. So say like conservatives saying, like, I can't do anything anymore. I can't be myself. There's, you know, and I and I agree that 97, 98% of that is necessary in that, like, yeah, you should have consequences for what you say, Bill. Like you can't, like, can't just say whatever you want without consequences. That's what you're really asking for, is like no consequences. But I do think there is a little bit, um, a little bit there of like knowing when to sit back and knowing when to speak up and knowing what is needed. Like it might help in my neighborhood for me to put a yard sign up, you know, cause it might, it might be a signal to my neighbors like, Hey, you don't have to worry about me like calling the cops on you. But is that going to be a Biden sign? Is a Biden sign going to communicate that? Probably not. A black lives matter sign would be better. Would it be a better signal of that? But should I just tell them that or like have a relationship or or I mean but as an organizer
1: for me it's like about doing the work like are you and I understand that people don't like my friends that aren't organizers or aren't involved like you know don't aren't compensated in terms of their you know their politics right like all I do is politics all the time and for me it's like I'm actively you know either trying to you know, so build the support networks for women of color candidates to run, right? And, like, that's my that's my embodiment of Black Lives Matter is, like, ensuring that spaces, progressive spaces are inclusive. And, and I think that, like, the performative piece is, like, how are you doing that? Like, how are you doing that in your own life professionally, but also personally, right? Like, are you silencing women of color when they make you uncomfortable but you have a mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. sign out in your yard? Yeah. Like, that's incongruent. And, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but, like, you need to get there. And the last thing I'll say about this is I think this example of the, um, the white-black photo that women – and so I just – from your perspective before I dig into this, what – so tell me kind of if you can outline for our listeners what happened. And probably a lot of you participated in this, so I think it's helpful. The one where
0: you were, like, tagged and challenged yes. to, like, post a yes. picture of yourself?
1: Yes. The black and white selfies, women, women supporting women. So I, yeah, no, okay. no, no. We're you go first.
0: About, I found it really interesting who, like, how people messaged it themselves. Like, but the whole thing was bizarre, as are a lot of internet trends to me. So I was in information to hear camp, you know,
1: like in campaigns, just digital yeah. campaigns. How you have no idea how they start. I mean, you look at the back for those of you who haven't watched the Fire Festival documentaries. How it was mm-hmm. like that that orange square, and like no one knew, and then all these people showed up on this island, and it's like especially as someone who's part of a disinformation working group like you figure once you hear how these campaigns start and like what their like original purpose was it's really striking how then they materialize especially in American culture yeah so anyways like what you heard so I'm sure you posted like challenge accepted and like whatever it was like women's empowerment and then you heard oh this actually originated in Turkey in terms of uh, raising awareness of femicide and a lot of um, of domestic abuse, uh, systemic problems in Turkey, which apparently that wasn't true at all either. Mm-hmm. And so like in the organizing space on Instagram, I was seeing that, that, you know, this originated in Turkey and like this was, you know, and, and it was um, antithetical to like that campaign. And um, But that's also not true. And so it's like, you know, I really like instead of, and, and that's what I hope all of you take away from this is, why am I doing this? Like, am I doing this because I feel, socially pressured? Am I doing this because, like, I want to look pretty in a photo? Or, like, how do my daily actions impact women? How do my daily actions improve the reality for Black lives and not in a patronizing way, right? Like, I I really want people to dig into that. And whenever you feel compelled to, like, post, you know, or put, like, a Black Lives Matter in your sign, like, are you voting for, pol- are you voting for people that support Black black lives and their policies are you aware of your political landscape and I mean you know there's like so many pieces to unpack about that and that's how I like that's what it boils down to for me
0: yeah I think about a lot of those performative things as far as like who am I talking to like and I'm mostly just trying to show I am good I am good but
1: you know you're good and that's what like and I
0: really but I don't necessarily it does not help me or anyone else to say I am good publicly over and over again because it's not always true. Like, it's like it's excusing myself from work that needs to be done, which I know needs to be done. And it is also not deepening relationships where, like, change could happen. Like, it's putting people... I I don't want to say it's putting people in the defensive because I definitely think you should speak up for what you believe in and you should assert yourself. And even if it causes conflict, I don't think we should like shy away from that. But yeah, but that's different than like tone of it is sometimes like just so do I sound like I'm tone policing? I don't know. Like I, I just think that a lot of the content I feel, I feel like you should, you should be seeing where your content is coming from. I think that's part of what
1: you were saying with like disinformation. But but the moment where you feel compelled, like there's a a massive digital trend right on Instagram and you're like, oh, I want to. And honestly, like when those things happen, like I'm just too busy, you know, I'm, I'm too busy doing the work to even like think twice about this stuff. But it was interesting being on this disinformation call with experts that are in this world and talking about the trajectory of the black squares, for example, and being mm-hmm. like, wow, it was really problematic that people posted those black squares. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and in and, and no way am I trying to push you in a defensive posture, but I really like need you to dig in and think about why you're doing these things. And like, are you just seeing it and like it's a way to signal – you know, to folks are like, are you really doing the work in your professional spaces, especially those of you who work in corporate America? I've had numerous conversations with my friends that like they don't even, you know, they don't, there's no DNI program, like diversity and inclusion program, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you advocating for black lives in your workspace? Are you advocating for black lives in your neighborhood? Are you making sure that like your neighbors aren't getting kicked out because of gentrification and rising costs? Like there are so many ways for you to be an advocate and those aren't digital on Instagram. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't – clearly a lot of feelings about yeah, this. <laughs> I, I, I think that is
0: definitely, like – I mean, it is a good point to make.
1: Which, which some not, of us are doing preclude. the work. You're doing the yeah. work and you're posting digitally, exactly. right? But that's like, That's what I was going to say.
0: It doesn't yeah. mean, like, just because, you know, I keep seeing the same sweatshirt that's in, like, the Barbie font that says – I think it's, I think it's about Kamala. It might have Biden's name on it too, but it's like a Barbie font, pink sweatshirt that like grown women are wearing like everywhere, and it's like making them feel some type of way. Like I remember voting for Hillary Clinton and crying in my car, like sobbing, heaving, sobbing because I voted. I literally like really, yeah. It impacted so. We're gonna have to unpack. Okay, we're gonna have to unpack that later. I know. I mean, it's. I mean, that's my personal experience with it. So like, I get like, I get that feeling when you when she goes, "I'm speaking." And you're like, yes, and you, and then nevertheless, I persisted, like, or she persisted or whatever, like, about Elizabeth Warren, like, you hear these things, and they, like, give you chills, and you're like, I feel that, and I feel that, like, you want to share it with the world, like, you want to say defiantly to your racist neighbors, like, Black Lives Matter, like, I want to put this sign in my yard, so I, I definitely get that, and I feel like we're, this is a manifestation of something, like, for sure, that, causes us to want to display this publicly um, whether that be like a deep emotion or just like strong feelings but there's also yeah other outlets and like ways to ways to kind of make that come to come to light and not just give yourself a pass after
1: exactly that exactly yeah. and I think that's like what I'm trying to say is yeah. that don't just put a sign out in your yard and think you've got the green light and like you're not a racist right like there's so much inner work to be done as well as in your professional and personal spaces
0: Mm-hmm. and you're gonna teach them all how to do the work
1: <laughs> so i just think it's it's an ongoing exercise and i and i think it's on your for those of you listening it is part of your trajectory to self-actualization and that is maybe why you listen to grits
0: <laughs> and it's not i will say like we focus totally on progressive politics but it's
1: it's a, yeah it, it can be but, it's yeah. applicable to it's up to, to almost pool everything.
0: Pool. I'm, you know, you're from the South. You wear camo. Like, <laughs> there's a yeah.
1: bunch of, there's oh, like a Yeah. there's a of, you have a uh-huh. fish
0: in your Tinder profile. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of
1: it. Oh it's my not God. Just yeah, I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah. Good point. Oh my God. It's just, the, the girls on Instagram, like the influencers that are like, lover of Jesus or like, J- Jesus. I, uh, Jesus uh, and coffee 22. The Jesus culture on Instagram is just like. I need a drink. Okay. Um, all right, Anna, what are you grateful for? I
0: am grateful for Alex for booking a, a getaway for our six year anniversary. <gasps> we're going to wow, it's been six years. Chattanooga because we can't really go anywhere. <laughs> What's in Chattanooga? So we're just we're hanging out at a cool Airbnb. Hopefully the leaves will when be is changing. It? Um November we're going November seventh. Our anniversary is the twenty seventh of October. Um, it's right
1: after the election. Okay.
0: Yeah, we're, I, I felt like we were going to need a little bit of digital space. And we're not making, like, any plans. We might hike. We might just cook and just hang out. But it's a beautiful Airbnb with great uh, views. And hopefully the leaves will be bright red and beautiful. Mm. And we'll just walk and get a coffee and sleep in and read a book. And That's nice. spend a weekend together. And I'm typically the planner.
1: <laughs> not surprised
0: of the two so I feel overly grateful that
1: he booked it for us that is really nice I told Chris I want a room at the Van Dyke for my birthday mm, be that's a up.
0: good idea Yeah, we did Um, for our first wedding day we did the Noel downtown for vacation. It was nice it was honestly one of the best really Noelle ever to do okay. to do a staycation I mean sure do Van Dyke I've heard good things about Van Dyke but they treated us
1: wow um, oh, I've never even heard of it
0: yeah it's downtown um, all right, well. Small, like a boutique hotel. Um,
1: there's a lot of those in Nashville, and I feel like even though. Oh, yeah, here we go. Nice. Oh yeah, great go.
0: food, great drink, drinks, great service. Nice. They were like, as soon as we walked up to the rooftop bar, they were like, oh, you poor thing, and gave us free drinks
1: and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was like, thank you. I'm so glad this is a small hotel. <laughs> yeah, the one in East Nashville. I mean, it's walking in a sense. That's what I think yeah. would be nice. So I think that would be Can you good, watch Frankie? Yeah, of course. Oh my God! He said, "No."
0: Our cats might be pooping themselves, but
1: <laughs> they need a little scare. They'll, they'll you know, get they're, over getting, it. they're getting too comfortable. They're eating out of not the really. garbage disposal, so they need a little, little You're excitement. What's to tell? I'm not sorry. Okay, what are
0: you? What are you grateful for?
1: Um, what am I grateful for?
0: Um,
1: I should be grateful for a lot. I am grateful. Wait, when is your birthday? And in November. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah. Oh, um i'm just you know once again i'm just grateful for the people around me in politics and i've i've just learned a lot and people have spent a lot of time helping me become a, a very good organizer and i'm just i'm very grateful for them like jason freeman shout out to jason who's my work husband as i affectionately call him mm-hmm. uh we've been <laughs> it's funny because like he so chris so we had to start a pack and chris uh is the treasurer of the pack, and like the, the tax order between Jason and Chris and I are really funny because it's very lefty, you know, associated. But he's my work husband, and I'm, I'm very grateful for him because he makes me, I've become very knowledgeable about pack spending and um, mm-hmm. coordination. So, thank you to all those people, which makes me a better organizer in the political space. So, and I feel very optimistic at this moment in time about Tennessee politics, which is a rarity. So, no. We've done good work over the last few years happen. Yeah, we've done what, good work together. You know, if you recall our what was the uh, tractor? Campaign? No, I was supposed to say the tractor parade. Oh, tra- tractor parade. Yeah, and I. So there was a. Oh, we don't even. I had the it. worst sunburn ever. That's all I have to say about <laughs> that day. We convinced a bunch of farmers to bring their tractors to rural or sorry to downtown Nashville on Broadway. And oh, what yeah. was the purpose of it? I don't even know. We had signs
0: made on cardboard boxes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> protect rural Tennessee wasn't it I literally I just... got like a third
0: degree sunburn <laughs> but,
1: yeah, that's all I and the tractors kept breaking oh down god. there were so many breakdowns oh. there were too many
0: people on the trailer
1: at one it point it was like it was the highlight like oh my god I can't even 2017 was it was just
0: that was called some, a yeah. gorilla campaigning
1: those were growing growing gorilla growing years if you will mm-hmm all right. Well, we'll see you in two. Is that the election? We'll be, oh my God. Are we supposed to be recording the night after the election? Oh my God. Nope. Nope. The 28th. All right. So we'll see you. <laughs> the week like, before maybe. the election. All right. So it'll be, it'll be election grits. And then we have a special surprise coming for you. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. All right, all right, everyone. Um, And even if you have Black Lives Matter in your matter signs in your yard, (laughs) we love you. But just dig in a little deeper. Okay, yeah,
0: that's what grits is for. All right, bye. gritty. Thank you to our griddles and our family
1: at the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Be sure to check out the other podcasters in the network who are doing the Lord's work in the state of Tennessee. Find the good stuff at www.tmholler.com and be sure to subscribe and support The hauler while you're there.
0: Follow The hauler to keep up with what's going on here in the state at The TN Holler on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and follow grit at Grits Podcast. Keep it gritty! Bye!